This is Mental Maps, a podcast about navigating the mind. My name is Dr. John Waddell. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, good health counselor, and host of this show. The content of this show is focused on creating a better understanding about the mind and how you can achieve optimal well-being. Welcome back to Mental Maps. As always, I hope this finds you well no matter what season that you're in. Today, we're going to continue our series on the root causes of mental illness. Um, just to jump in here, we're going to do a quick review and then get into the topic itself and uh, unpack that. So just real quickly, if you're just now joining us or you've just picked up in the last episode or two, we've been working through the root causes of mental illness, something that I, I use every day in my clinical practice and I use with my students. And it's primarily understanding why do brains get sick believe that there are five true root causes of mental illness and so we first talked about the physiological causes and that is the things that are occurring in your body whether that's like stuff going on with your heart stuff going on with your lungs you know any type of illness within another organ maybe a virus you've contracted or maybe it's like medicines you're taking that are causing these brain changes or maybe it's your gut microbiome something's happened physiologically that's causing your body to be unwell and leading to your brain being unwell and so then you get that corrected or you change that medicine or whatever that looks like that then that issue then resolves and so then we went from the biological causes to genetic we know that there are genetic causes to mental illness we know that certain illnesses are genetic based that you can you know have a hereditary predisposition to and we talked about how environment and many other things can trigger but we know the root cause itself is genetic and so the importance of just healthy lifestyle and many of these things that can decrease your risk of causing or creating that mental illness from the gene and then we went in to one of my favorites which is the psychosocial root cause of mental illness we talked a lot about stress and life stress and just the progression of mental illness for so many people and how you see this exacerbation of human emotion and that chronic exacerbation leading to this pathological illness and so being able to cope with life stress generate those coping skills generate a healthy lifestyle getting into therapy doing that kind of work especially if you've had some kind of trauma becomes so paramount in being able to treat that illness. Today we're going to open up into what is the fourth cause of mental illness and that is the nutrition-based mental illness. And this is something that gets me super fired up. I may get really loud on this podcast just because I get so excited about this because I see this so much. Nutrition and psychiatry haven't went hand in hand for a long time. Just over the last probably 15 to 20 years we've seen this generation of talking about this new evidence. And so there's there's famous people out there who are doing this now, Dr. Uma Nadu and, and many others. You have Dr. Kaplan, Bonnie Kaplan out of Canada. There, there's so many who are, who are talking about how nutrition impacts your brain. And I believe that for many people, their illness, whether that be depression, anxiety, that is due or could be due to some type of nutrient issue. And so when we talk about nutrition, we're talking about either the lack of adequate or proper nutrients. And so this absence or the unhealthiness of it, whatever this looks like, when we talk even more about it, has led to your brain not being healthy. And because your brain is not healthy, you then form what we consider a mental illness. So as we talk about this, we've got to get a good understanding of nutrients. So nutrients are what are the building blocks really for our body. 
It's where our energy sources come from. It's where so many of, if you would consider like the scaffolding to create everything in our body comes from these things. It's the gas in our gas tank. It's all of this. And so we know that there are really two types of nutrients. There's macro with an A, macronutrients, and then micro with an I, micronutrients. And we call them macro and macro. Good way to remember this is macronutrients. We need large amounts of them. So macro, we're getting a large amount of them. They come from large food sources many times. Whereas micronutrients, we don't need as much, but are probably more, just as important for our brain health. And so macronutrients can really be decided and really categorized into three things. And that's protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And so when you think of protein, of course, you always think of meat, but you can get it in other places. We think of carbohydrates, you know, whether that's like fruits or that's certain vegetables or that's grains or even the, 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 the great carbs. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then we have fats. And you have saturated and unsaturated fats. And so those fats can come from anything from oils and butter and avocados and the fat in meats. And then our carbohydrates, as we were saying earlier, can either be simple or complex, meaning that you have a simple carbohydrate that is simply broke down, which many times is broken down into sugar and more complex carbohydrates, which take a while to digest. And so like a, an example of a simple carbohydrate would be something like white bread, where a complex carbohydrate would be something like a sweet potato or something more hearty. And then we have our micronutrients. And these micronutrients are what we consider vitamins, amino acids, minerals, etc. These are these really small micro things that we, we really can't even pay attention to in our diet. Many times we don't think about them, but are so, so important for our overall human body and in our brain health. And so you're going to get these from a gamut of sources out in the world. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second. But just knowing that you don't need as much of these, but they are just important, if not more important for your brain health, because these little chemicals or these little vitamins or amino acids or minerals are going to help everything work. And without them, you are going to be missing something profound. It's easy many times to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm missing some type of protein, but it's really hard sometimes to see, oh, I'm missing a B vitamin or I'm missing a C vitamin. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And so to get these things, to get these proteins and carbohydrates and fats, to get these vitamins and amino acids and minerals, we really need, we, we really rely on our outside world to get them. We're talking more about environment in another podcast, but we're talking about it from a nutrition standpoint. We have to consume this from the outside world. And we're going to get this from our food, the things that we're putting inside our body. Sometimes we can get this from our air. We're going to get this from the sun, primarily things like vitamin D, which is way more bioavailable on our skin that it is in our little pill that we give people many times for vitamin D deficiency. And we're going to get it from water. And we're going to get some of these uh, minerals and amino acids from our waters. And so we know that most of our foods that we see have those macronutrients with an A, that protein or carbs and fats. If you go to any food you have in your cupboard right now, any food that's in front of you, any package that's in front of you, you look at the back of it, you're going to see something about proteins and carbohydrates and fats. And then you're going to get a little bit of micro stuff, primarily sodium, which is a pop culture thing and, and different things like that. But you're going to see those hearty macros. But we know that even though you're getting them, it can be a really poor version of it. As you hear a lot of personal trainers and people in the wellness world talk about, saying that a carbohydrate is a carbohydrate is the equivalent of saying walking uphill and walking downhill are the same thing. Even though it's the, the same 
behavior in that course, or even though this is the same category, walking uphill and walking downhill are two completely different things. And a good carbohydrate and a bad carbohydrate are two completely different things. And if we're getting a lot of our macronutrients from really poor sources, we're going to see these deficiencies occur. And then we know that for many of these foods, primarily we see within our processed foods, a lot of these macronutrients will be in something in an absence of the micronutrients. So the processed versions, they've taken these um, chemicals, if you will, and, and different uh, vitamins and minerals and they've kind of worked them through and a lot of this is lost in the process and so now you find yourself with this candy bar that even though it says it has 20 grams of protein in it has very little to no micronutrients hence one of the reasons it's not on there and so why are these important so Outside of the concept of just like diet and healthy living, when we look at it from a brain perspective, nutrients and vitamins are vitally important for the overall functioning of brain health. We know that these concepts, the proteins, the carbs, the fats, the vitamins, amino acids, minerals, etc., are important for brain flow to your blood or brain or blood flow to your brain, which is so important to get adequate blood flow up there. We know neurotransmitter functioning, so the, the little chemicals that we've already talked about so much before that are implicated in mood and implicated in other parts of all the functions of the brain. We know nutrients and vitamins are profoundly important in healing. So if we're already unwell, maybe we've got something else going on, these vitamins and minerals are going to help us heal our brain. And then we also know that you're going to get a lot of your energy, if not all of your energy, from this outside consumption of these vitamins and minerals. So think about this. We know that about 20% of all of the body's energy is used in the brain at a resting state. Meaning if you sit on the couch and do nothing for most of the day, 20% of all of your energy your brain will use. So when you magnify that underneath a work and kids and a marriage or a significant other or friends, community, and the world we live in right now, especially in Western culture and in other cultures and news and all these things, now we're using any more energy. Not that psych energy that we talk about in the brain gas tank. That's part of it. But this is like true energy, true nutrient vitamin-based energy. And you're going to see up to 40% many times of the energy we have in our overall body is used by our brain. And then the rest, of course, is using all the rest of our organs, our heart, our lungs, our stomach. But 20 to 40% is going to be used in our brain. So not only do you need these to make your body work, but then you're going to need even more of them to manage the outside world that you're navigating every day, attempting to be well. We know that many of the micronutrients that we're talking about, so if we move from macro to the micro, the micronutrients not only are going to be the energy sources, which we know of and we'll talk about a little bit more in a second, and healing, but it also is so important for just the overall production and generation of neurotransmitters. Bonnie Kaplan and her colleagues wrote a great book called The Better Brain, and one of the concepts they discuss in that brain, or in that brain, in that book, is they highlight how serotonin and other neurotransmitters are made. You know that's such a pop culture thing right now, the concept of neurotransmitters. And we know that ultimately the transmitter itself isn't important as it is the parking spots it's parking in. And there's a lot of discussion about that, but we do know it is important. We do know that these chemicals themselves are important. Now I can't give you more serotonin to feel better, but we know it's important. Well, we know that the precursor to serotonin, meaning the, the 
prior version of serotonin is a chemical called tryptophan. And tryptophan is converted into serotonin, but it's only converted into serotonin with adequate vitamins. So tryptophan must have iron, phosphorus, and calcium. Those three micronutrients will then transition tryptophan into another chemical. And, we, and, and Bonnie Kaplan and her colleagues call it chemical A, we're just going to call it a chemical. So we have tryptophan, we've taken iron, phosphorus, and calcium, we're transitioning into a chemical, and then vitamin B6, B as in boy B6, will take this chemical A and transfer it into serotonin. So just to kind of go back over that again, for your serotonin to even be created, you have to have adequate iron, phosphorus, calcium, and vitamin B6. Without it, you are not even going to have enough serotonin in your brain. Not to say that that's the cause of the illness, but knowing that if there's not enough there, there's not going to be enough to modulate it. We're not even being able to transition it over. So the people who are finding themselves feeling really down or low, or maybe just really tired, we know serotonin is important in that, or maybe they're feeling very anxious. <clears throat> it could be related to this absence of these vitamins, which are keeping tryptophan from being able to transition into serotonin. And we know that there are many vitamin deficiencies that lead to a mental illness. We see where B12, the absence of B12 can lead to so much fatigue and tiredness. We see where other, what we would consider micronutrients like CoQ10 and omega-3s, where they're so important for brain health and just neuroplasticity and the healing of the brain. And when these are absent, we give it. And many times what we end up doing is you get a vitamin. So you get a, a B6 vitamin or a B12 vitamin or you get a B12 shot at like the Walgreens or something like that. Or maybe you go out and you get a vitamin D pill because you're feeling really tired and you get that vitamin D and you're feeling better. Or you just go out and get some sunshine and you're feeling better. But we know that these vitamins are so, so important just to your overall brain. So then the question is, how is this caused? Like, how does the human body become deficient in the overall building blocks of that body, of the things that are needed? That's kind of like saying <clears throat> we are at a construction site and we have no materials. And we're just standing there looking at the land. And even though you may have a couple pieces of wood, none of the nails and the bolts and the things that are really important to keep it all together are there. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing in this. And we know the primary reason for this is food, the concept of food. We know a more you know a more isolated lifestyle is going to be that, and it's going to be more related to the environment. When we're talking nutrition itself, it's the overall food. And when we think about food, you can think of it in three different categories. The amount of food, we're talking about that, the times you're eating, so the times of food, and then the, the most important thing is just the quality of food. The absolute quality of food has an impact in this. So how does the amount of food lead to your brain getting sick? Not talking about obesity. Not you know, We know the risk factors in obesity. We know what that causes to the heart. We know what causes it to the brain. But let's talk about it from a nutrition standpoint. When we are consuming too many carbohydrates, or we may consume too much um <clears throat> fats or something such as that, you're going to find yourself feeling really wore down. You may find yourself feeling really anxious. You have consumed too much of this macronutrient and it, your body cannot respond to it and it's having an impact on your brain. We know certain vitamins are very similar to this. So if you consume too much of a vitamin, even though most of the micronutrients we talked about before are water soluble, meaning that you're going to 
pee most of that excess out. Some are not, and some minerals are not. And so if you consume too much of them, you are at risk of becoming sick. But when you think of too much food, the amount of food, I'm thinking more of a macronutrient, the person who's consuming a, a large amount of carbohydrates and just feeling really wore down or really anxious or really tired. And then probably the the counter to that, which is what I see so much of in clinic and so much of in, in the other type of work I do, is just not enough food, too low of food. <clears throat> the amount of people who come in as a grown adult trying to live on a thousand calories a day will blow your mind. Or people who are trying, and you may be one of those people out there, you're like, oh, well, I do that now. Do you feel well on it? And if you do, if you do truly feel well, then go you. You've kind of found it. But I would say more times than not, you're feeling fatigued and you feel tired and you feel down, you feel sad. And you're like, I feel kind of depressed maybe. Maybe you're not depressed in the world of like a diagnostic criteria, mental illness. Maybe your food intake is too low and you're just not eating enough. I mean, when we think about, you know, the consumption of food, there are many grown adults that attempt to eat less food than an infant and try to live an adult lifestyle. That's impossible. You just cannot do that. So not enough of the food or not enough of the right foods. So not talking about the quality, but just the, um, the amount of the food you're getting. So maybe you're not consuming enough protein. You're not consuming enough vitamin-rich foods. You're not consuming enough carbohydrates, which I've been there before. You know, Carbohydrates are such a hot topic, and we're not going to get into the world of wellness and, and um, weight, weight training and those things. But we need these energy sources to feel well. We also see some people feeling really anxious when they don't eat enough food. We all know the old hangry things that's saying, and there's many people who experience that. They're not eating enough and they're walking around like furious and agitated and ticked off. No, they don't have intermittent explosive disorder. or No, they don't have major depressive disorder. They just haven't eaten enough food. They need to eat. They need to eat adequately. So the amount of food is really important. The same thing the times you eat. And this may be something that you don't, that we don't think a lot about. And there's when, you, when we get deeper into this as we open this up, there is a gamut of research and discussion about these topics. There are people that have found a ton of ways to get their nutrients in, and I think it's whatever works for you. But when we're talking about it in the grand scheme of things, one of the biggest things is time. So when you think about time, one, it's the absence of meals. Many people in America do not eat breakfast. Why? I don't know. I love breakfast. Breakfast is like my favorite meal of the day. I, I love it. It's always been always been one of my favorite meals of the day. Granted, the quality of my food has changed, but I love breakfast. And breakfast is that building block. We all remember those commercials. You know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, and it is because it, it shoots you out of the gate into your day. When you think about, let's say you don't eat breakfast, and so you wait until lunch. And so you ate supper, let's say you ate supper anywhere between 6 and 7 o'clock, and you don't eat again until noon. You have went from 7 p.m. to noon on no food intake. That is not enough food. You are not eating enough. You are missing meals. And so many people feel worn down and tired. They're like, oh, why do I have this brain fog at work? It's because you don't have enough food or you're not drinking enough water. So it's something really important, or are you missing meals? Is there an absence of a meal? Maybe the people who just work straight through lunch and hit that 2.30 hour and you're so tired and wore down. Why am I having that experience? Many times it could be due to missing that meal. And so not it's not that you have a focus and concentration problem or you have ADHD. Maybe you just don't have enough food in your body and you're not eating it at the right time. The second thing is eating too late at night, which is a, a big problem for many people in, our, in the Western culture. 
is you find yourself maybe eating dinner at five, six o'clock in the afternoon or at nighttime, and then you hit those snacks right before bed. And so now you've ate this food, you then go in and you're having like really poor sleep. It's not that you have like a true insomnia-based disorder or maybe you're feeling anxious. You're not having an anxious disorder. You just ate too late. And so that food's sitting on your stomach. You're not digesting it well. And so now you've found yourself feeling really tired and really down. And so now you can't sleep very well. Another big problem with times are how are you managing your macronutrients? Many people cannot manage certain foods certain times a day. So if you consume a lot of sugar right before bed and you're sensitive to sugar, it's going to be hard to wind down and go to bed. Whereas if you're eating a lot of like, let's say, very simple carbohydrates in the morning time, you're going to find yourself having this spike of energy, but then you're fading as the day goes on. So when are you eating this food? So if the amount of food, are you eating too much or you're not eating enough? Do you have the time? So are you eating those three meals a day or are you are you missing meals? Are you eating late at night? Are you eating high sugary meals? Now, a caveat to times, there's a lot of discussions about intermittent fasting. And I think that is something that can be really, really helpful for people. It can be especially helpful for men and testosterone levels and things such as that. There's great research that shows that. But one thing to remember is that for people who are truly doing intermittent fasting, let's say you're doing... Uh, 816 where you eat for eight hours and you fast for 16 hours the most important thing in that is you consume all of your nutrients in that time so it's not like well i don't do breakfast and i eat a small snack for lunch but then i eat one huge meal there may be somebody that does that and if you feel great that's fine but if you're not feeling well you need to look at how much food you're getting in People who do intermittent fasting well are getting all of their caloric intake, all of their macronutrients in their meals during that eight-hour span. Then, therefore, they get all the food they need, and then they're able to maintain intermittent fasting. So it's important no matter what you decide to do, whether you eat the, the regular early morning, lunch at noon, between 11 and 1, and then the supper time, or you're eating in a, in a smaller window, getting all of your nutrients in is so important. And then lastly, and the one that probably gets me the most fired up the most as a clinician, is just the quality of food that people see. And I would say the quality, outside of amount, the quality of food is probably one of the most prevalent reasons why nutrient-based mental illness occurs. There is so many versions of what we call food in Western culture. If you're listening to this in Europe or you're listening to this in Switzerland, your food is much different, and some of the things that we call food in our culture aren't even considered food in your culture because it doesn't have a nutrient-based uh, product. And so if it's not nutrient-based in a way that's life-giving, it can't be considered food in many of these other cultures. So we have really poor quality food for a lot of people. When I say poor quality food, I'm talking of a couple of different things. One, I'm talking about processed food, meaning what had to occur numerous things had to be taken place to make this substance that you're consuming so you can't go out and pick a snickers bar off the ground you can't go out and pick doritos out of a tree there's numerous things that's had to occur to make that happen and so that's processed foods and then sugary foods high sugar foods sugar that's not natural to the to the environment so not sugar that we find in fruit but sugars that we see added into to 
foods. Many times if you get look on the back of your food label, you'll see sugar, and it'll be in a gram, hopefully a zero or a really low number, and then right underneath it'll say additional sugar, meaning that they took more sugar and put it into that food to give it more of that craving sugar flavor or in that taste. And then dyes. We know in the processed experience, processed experience of, of what we consider these substances, dyes are really important. And we see that for many people, they can be very sensitive to these dyes, like um, like yellow 40 or in uh, you know red, red 40 and yellow and the blues. Many people are really, and I've seen kids with this problem where they'll eat a dye, they'll eat a food that has this dye in it, they become really elevated and agitated. And so they'll come in and, and maybe they're having problems managing school or maybe they're having problems in the afternoon. And when you start unpacking their diet a little bit, you see we're eating this dye every pretty consistently. We also see for people who maybe have those genetic-based illnesses or another root cause mental illness, these things exacerbate that problem. So maybe kids who have the neurodiversity, such as like autism, things like dyes can be detrimental to them. And there's research that shows that. And then we know like fillers that go in these foods. So just to get these sources to have something in them, they're going to put a lot of different stuff in them. And these fillers many times can have some issues for overall. We see anxiety a lot. Anecdotally, I see that a lot. Anxiety being created by fillers. Just the body doesn't break it down very well. And so the gut becomes unhealthy. And so when that begins to occur, your nutrition, what you're consuming, is making you unwell. Not that it's destroying your gut microbiome, but your body just doesn't process it very well because it's not natural to you. Another big one within quality foods, and I think this kind of goes with a lot of stuff, is just, is there hormones within it? We're not going to get super deep into the different theories about chicken and all the things that are occurring where we're putting hormones, artificial hormones into our proteins and our, and our other foods. But we know this has a big impact on our on our bodies. We see this in kids and adults. We see you know agitation and anger, maybe just mood lability for people. And they don't understand why, and you begin to unpack, unpack it a little bit. And just because this meat is really cheap, if it doesn't have that non-hormone added on it, there's something weird. And so, you know, we, we've seen this, like, movement in the world of organic and things having organic on it, which always makes me think, like, why is, like, organic or non-hormonal even a thing? Why can't all of our food just be organic and non-hormonal? And we know there's a lot of, like, cultural structures that have to be a part of this and socioeconomic things that have to be a part of this. But ultimately... Why why is our quality of food decided on organic or non-organic when we need these to make our brains healthy? And then we see also within food, like fad diets. We know fad diets are super important or super important and to take into consideration. This has been something that's been around forever. There's a diet for everything, right? I think you could you could just Google diet and there's everything you can imagine. And for many people, they, they get on a diet and they think they're getting healthy and then they get really tired and they're feeling really down and they're lethargic. And they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm depressed. And then they come in and what's changed in the last maybe six months? Well, you know, I started this new diet where I'm only eating these three things a day and I'm consuming no carbohydrates. You're probably feeling really lethargic and really down. I try to get that food up and you're going to feel a little bit better. So you know the amount, so too much food, not enough food. You know the times, are you missing meals? Are you eating really late at night? Are you having like wrong nutrients based at different times of day? And then the, the huge one, that quality of food. Are you eating real food or are you eating a lot of processed foods? Those foods that you have, are they high sugar foods? Are they high in your simple carbohydrates? Even though you need carbs, are you getting too much as we talked about before? Or now you're feeling really tired and down? 
or is it the fillers? Is it the, the hormones? Is it the process? We can get super deep into that, but just from an overview, the quality of your food is really important. The last thing I would say about food, and this is kind of where a blurry line between the physiological and food-based. But we know for many people, they may have an intolerance to their food, meaning either their gut microbiome can break it down, or maybe they even have a histaminergic reaction, meaning that they're allergic to that food. And we know that these histamine reactions or these intolerances that you have to food can lead to inflammation. That inflammation can lead to inflammation in the brain. And so we see people who get really anxious. I think the most um, well-known and probably over-discussed is the concept of gluten. We know many people are just intolerant to gluten. We know sometimes that's due to your gut microbiome. Sometimes it's due to you truly have like a celiac disease. And so we see people who are consuming a lot of gluten, they feel just really anxious. And then they take that take that gluten out of their diet and they feel less anxious. And we know that this that's an improper metabolism of food can also lead into that gut irritability. So now my stomach's upset. That's having an impact on my ability to digest food. And then I may be feeling kind of irritable. Maybe I'm feeling anxious. And it's happening, maybe I feel anxious three times a day and it's after I eat every time. Why do I feel anxious after I eat? Well, maybe you're eating something in your diet that's making you feel that way and you don't have an anxiety disorder that's happening while you're at work. Maybe it's because you're eating around your work and you're not doing really well. So how do we do this? We know that our macronutrients with an A and our micronutrients with an I are super duper important for our bodies. We know you've got to get it for your brain. We know that without these core building blocks of, of the brain and the body, without these this fuel, you're going to find yourself being at risk to feel really sad and down and tired, which looks like depression, to feeling really on the edge or irritable or nervous or overwhelmed. It looks like, an, like an anxiety disorder. Or, or maybe you have really poor focus and concentration. Now it feels like you have like ADHD or you have poor sleep and all these things. How do we fix this? So the solution comes from starting from the ground up. And primarily that is your meals. Um, Marcus Philly, who is a, a CrossFit athlete and a trainer, I'm going to steal this from him. I think I use this every day, um, and I, it's a, something that I really enjoy to use. Eat real food. And when I say eat real food, when you look at your grocery cart when you're walking out of the, out of the grocery store or you look at your meals for the day, you need to make sure you're beginning with things that were once alive and now they're dead, and if you don't eat it, something else will. So protein was once alive. We killed it in some form or fashion. We either caught it. It was killed in some way. It is now dead. And if it's not eaten, it's going to go bad. You know, our, our, our meats are going to rot. Or even, even if you freeze them, they're not going to be able to last forever. Like those things are going to go bad. Fruits and vegetables were once alive. We've picked them. If we don't eat them, now they're dead because they've been picked, and if we don't eat something else, well, hence the reason if you have like an orange or a pineapple or a banana, and you put that on your uh, kitchen table or you put that on your counter, within a couple of days you're going to start seeing that thing turn. It's not because fruit's bad for you. It's because the environment already can tell you that this is a nutritious, like a super nutritious food. And because it's so nutritious, it's going to eat it. If I don't eat it, something else will. There's a reason that that processed food, those you know, those chips and those candies and those cookies, they can set in your cupboard for months, if not years. It's because the environment doesn't want to eat it. And if the environment doesn't want to eat it, why do I need to eat it? So eat real food. Was it once alive? Now it's dead. 
and if I don't eat it, something else will. If you don't know even know where to start with that, when you go to the grocery store, the old adage is just stay on the outside of the grocery store. There's very little things you are going to need on those middle aisles. Because if you think about it, every grocery store, you've got your your fruits and veggies when you walk in. You've got your meat counter all the way on the back. You've got your eggs over to the side. You've got your, you know, your good nutritious butters if you're looking for that on the side. All of it's right there. That is your real food. And do the best you can to get what you can. And, and we know that's really important. We know that there are a lot of socioeconomic and cultural and political and just a lot of reasons why a lot of people cannot get nutritious food. And it's a really unfortunate part of the country. And we're not going to go on a tangent about that because that's not what this podcast is about. But I do know that and I understand that. And as I say that, I'm very aware of that and conscious of that. That even for people listening to this, the ability to get real food may be very difficult for you. And so what I challenge you to do is just do the best you can. Do the best you can to get those fruits. Do the best you can to get those vegetables or to get those meats. Do the best you can. There is a chance from an economic standpoint, that eating these raw foods will be cheaper for you than to eat the current diet you're listening now. Even though that TV dinner or maybe that frozen meal is only $4.99, there is a chance you're going to get more food out of a larger piece of meat. And that leads me to my next thing, is that if you do see these economic challenges for yourself, we know that there, even the absence of food exists in our country, which is mind-blowing in, a lot, in other places in the world as well. But for people who can get food, you will see that you can get food that is whole, good food at a cheaper rate and cook it in larger amounts and eat it the next day. There's nothing wrong with trying to get some leftovers, especially if you have access to a microwave or a toaster oven or, thing, or an oven. You can cook for a couple of days and be able to eat that food and buy it at a cheaper rate. Another big thing to do is get whole fruits and vegetables. You do not have to get cut fruits and vegetables. When you go into a, a, a supermarket, you'll see that there are these cut fruits at like $3.50 for this little bitty um, like carton, if you will, a pineapple. Or you can get a whole pineapple for two fifty. Like it's just completely different. And so get these whole fruits, cut them up yourself, put them in something in, put them in some type of um, canister that's closed where it's going to be able to be kept fresh. Put it in your refrigerator, and you're going to get some days out of it. That's going to keep keep that food in longer. And then storing your food well can go a long way too. You know, you want to eat that food really fast. But remember, you've got good nutrition, nutritious food. So if I've got good nutritious food, the environment's going to try to eat it at some point and so being able to, to store your you know your sweet potatoes in a dark place to maybe cut that fruit up and put it in a canister one thing that we do is a really cool hack is take your strawberries cut it up put it in a mason jar they'll last longer um, take your blueberries or other fruits and you can put them in the freezer they'll last longer different things like that can be really important and give you more food and, and get you through the week a little bit easier and then eat more and so when, you're, so when you eat more, eat in more. Be selective about eating out. You know, we think, well, it's just so easy to go to McDonald's or it's just so easy to go to these other fast food chains or it's just so easy to go that. And there's nothing wrong with going out to eat. It can be a really cool part of our culture. But don't be afraid to cook in. 
you know, if you've got kids and you've got family, make it a family thing. I know we live super insanely busy lives, especially in the Western culture, but in most industrialized countries, our lives are really, really fast-paced. And so one of the reasons that people find themselves not getting enough food or maybe poor nutrition of food is just their overall schedule. But being able to plan those meals out, how can you do it? And if you are eating out, how can I get good nutritious food in there? What on this menu looks like it was real? Looks like it's real. That it was once alive, now it's dead. And if I don't eat it, it's going to go bad in that restaurant. Be thinking in that mindset every time you see that food. Prep your meals and look forward. Know what you're going to be eating for the week. It's so easy. I think you see this a lot for families where it's kind of hard to get in the flow of cooking or doing it. you got ball practice and you got all these things. But if you're looking forward and maybe you know it's going to be a late night on a Tuesday so you cook extra on a Monday, that kind of preparation leads to you having more food. And then if you're single, if you're a single person, just cook larger meals. It's so easy to go out and get those large things of good ground beef or those large things of chicken or getting those um, large things of vegetables and cook up and have a couple days worth. And so now you've got food for numerous days on a cheaper budget. So we're getting good nutrients. We need the macros. We need the micros. If we're going to get them, we're going to get them from real foods. We're going to get stuff that was once alive and now it's dead. And if we don't eat it, the environment will because it is just that good. We're going to make sure that we're getting, trying to be more economical with it because you're going to shock yourself when you go and you try this in the supermarket. You're going to eat in more. Be selective with eating out. That way, one, if you're going to eat out, you got a little bit more money in your pocket to eat better quality food. But then, two, you're eating in more so you can control that food. You're prepping your meals. You're doing those things. But even in our world, especially in certain parts of the of, our, of the world, the, the food you're getting is just not enough. Maybe it's due to the soil or it's due to other things we have. And that's going to be talked more about in the next podcast with the environment. But the quality of your food may be impacted by the soil it's coming from or just you know, the process of getting that meat because some meat is better than no meat at all. And so we know that there are what we call supplements in our world that we can take to get primarily the micronutrients. We know you can get the macros. We have our protein shakes. We have these things where people are getting them. And there's a ton of discussion about these. About these. We know that there are too many supplements to count. We know that you go online, you're going to see a protein powder in every separate flavor, every single color. You're going to see a vitamin that does everything outside of possibly making antlers grow out of your head. Like there is so much stuff out there. But the goal in this, and one thing to remember, the goal is giving you what you're not getting. But there's a reason that it's called a supplement. As a, a trainer that my wife and I know, Justin Crutchfield, he always said, supplements are called supplements because they are supplemental nutrition. They are nutrition that you are not getting from the outside world. And so when you look at your diet, you first have got to say, if I'm going to take supplements, is a large amount of my micro and macronutrients coming from a supplemental nutrition source? Because that's not real. It's not the real thing. It has been processed in some way. So you really want to be leaning into that real food. But there are a lot of supplements. But the main thing is being able to identify what am I missing. And that's where talking to you know a wellness coach, a holistic provider, a functional medicine provider, your provider in some way who's very knowledgeable about these things, who can tell you maybe here's what we've got going on. Oh, you're deficient in these. And then getting these blood tests done. We know insurance don't pay for a lot of them, but many outside resources will. And so if you start looking into different vitamin type panels you can run to be able to identify, am I low in these vitamins? And then being able to say, 
what could this be causing? Another great way is just to be able to, like I said, what food am I eating and what's missing? And so maybe there's just no way you can get certain foods. Am I missing vitamin K or am I missing vitamin B or with the B complex and getting that from a supplement? It's really important, and this is a kind of a hot topic in the world of all of healthcare, but don't single shot your vitamins. Being able to, if you're going to consume these micronutrients, make it very broad. You need these vitamins, amino acids, minerals. If you're low in one, you're probably low in others. And so rather than getting just like a specific vitamin D or a specific vitamin C, get a full broad spectrum micronutrient is what it's called. The broad spectrum micronutrient meaning that everything you need from the outside world that maybe you're missing, it's not coming from the soil and other foods, you're getting from a supplement that's broad because we know many of these micronutrients are dependent on others, meaning for them to do what we want them to do, they've got to be doing it. They've got to have these others in there. And then lastly, being able to get it adequately. It's so easy to forget these supplements and, and they're really living on what we consider like a therapeutic level. So it's not like, oh, hey, I took B12 today and I feel better and I don't need it anymore. You're going to need it for a while. And so taking them every day, taking consistently, that's really important. And don't be afraid of the vitamins. If you're, you know, talk to your healthcare provider about it. We know it's very, very hard not to need something, some kind of little vitamin to help you get a little bit of something. We know that if you've got um, organ meat, which is a really good nutrient base for macros and macros, you're going to consume a lot of those vitamins. And many people who consume those don't need as much of the vitamin supplementation, but we do know it's still there and it is something you need to. So if you're looking to use those supplements, remember one, don't let that be the core of your nutrition. Two, make sure it's broad spectrum. Don't just get fixated on a certain, you know, a B or a C or a D or a you know, some type of magnesium or, or, cal or calcium or, or whatever that looks like. Get all the things that you need. And then ensuring that you're taking them consistently is, is really important. To sum this up, so much of what we talked about today is moving outside of the world of diet and exercise. It's moving outside of the concept of losing weight and feeling great, quote unquote, getting fit. It's being able to treat your brain just as you treat your body. If you're looking at yourself and you say, I don't like the way I look, I don't like the way I feel as a human being, there's a really good chance your brain is a reflection of that. And if you look at your meal plan and you're saying, oh my gosh, I'm eating pizza every day and it makes me feel crappy, your brain is going to feel that. There's a reason you feel that way. It's not just your body responding to it, but your brain as well. And so knowing that if you don't feel right, the easiest thing you can look at is your food. How much am I eating? When am I eating it? And where is my food coming from? And if you check those three things off and you still feel bad even though you're doing it, then there's a good chance your illness is going deeper than just the nutrition. Now, I know many may say, you know, is it the chicken or the egg? We know that many illnesses make you not eat. So, for example, we know one of the definitions of depression is anorexia, meaning just an absolute loss of appetite. We know that people with anxiety many times may not eat. We know that people who are depressed may binge eat and eat too much. And the question I would say is that, one, you need to get your nutrition together no matter what because it is the fuel for your body. But two, when did it start? So is I already feeling depressed and down and then I just stopped eating? And so I had this really good diet plan going before? Or was I kind of living life and doing things, maybe stress or maybe these other things were occurring, but then my nutrients went bad and it went down? 
I see a lot of cases where the root cause can be nutrition, but the root cause of nutrition and then there's other compounding factors on it. And so what I see a lot of people will do is they'll get into therapy and they'll get in their psychosocial stuff figured out. Or maybe they, you know, they, they figured out that they need to get their life stress under control and they're doing those things. Or maybe they feel like, yes, I do have a genetic predisposition to these things. And so I, I know that that's occurring and I've had this other stress. And so this, you know, this gene has been triggered. Or maybe they had like a physiological illness, like some type of stuff going on with their gut health. And so then now their food intake is poor. But the, the great place to start is with your nutrition and move out. Now, that being said, if you find yourself feeling very suicidal and you're wanting to hurt yourself and you're not well, the, even though looking at your nutrition is important, the last thing a provider is going to tell you to do is you probably need to go eat more food today so you won't kill yourself. But we do know that is something that can be part of that. And so knowing where you set, and as we talked about in the last podcast, if nobody's listened to it, the progression of mental illness, we know that the root cause of mental illness for nutrition sets inside this. And for some people, this is the trigger. For some people, this is the symptom. And so being able to, t- to figure that out, I think, is really important to being able to intervene effectively and get you well. But if you're not feeling well, look at your food. You don't have to you know, live on the world of you, know, you want to be the next Michael Phelps or you want to be ripped like Arnold or anything like that. But you do know that this is really important for your brain. And if the amount you're getting, the quality you're getting, the times you're eating your food, where it's coming from, what does this look like? If you're not doing it, there's a chance you're going to be unwell. So get out there and eat real food.